Welcome to the Healing Pain Podcast. Your host, Dr. Joe Tata, leads the conversation around the way pain is treated in the U.S. and around the world with experts from the fields of medicine, physical therapy, nutrition, personal development, exercise, psychology, and more. Each week, you can listen to receive free information about ways to treat and reverse chronic persistent pain. Now, here is Dr. Joe Tata. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Healing Pain Podcast. This week on the podcast, we have our expert guest, Dr. Alan Lee, who is a professor of physical therapy at Mount St. Mary's University and maintains a clinical practice at Scripps Mercy Hospital in San Diego, California. Alan is the current vice president of the Technology Special Interest Group at the American Physical Therapy Association and was awarded the American Physical Therapy Association's Minority Faculty Development Scholarship Award and the Adopt-A-Doc Award from the Academy of Physical Therapy Education. Dr. Lee has developed telehealth resources for the American Physical Therapy Association, the American Telemedicine Association, and currently works with the World Confederation of Physical Therapy on international telehealth physiotherapy guidelines. Along with Drs. Todd Davenport and Ken Randall, Alan recently co-authored a paper in the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy, which has been instrumental in educating physical therapists and other practitioners about telehealth, telemedicine, and telerehabilitation. Telehealth or telephysical therapy has the potential to transform the care of chronic pain, which is why I wanted to introduce Alan to all of you as a valuable resource. Today, we will discuss the hype and excitement around telehealth, the potential benefits to its widespread implementation, and the policy, payment, and regulatory barriers that could slow down the expansion of telehealth in pain care. If you're a practitioner, Alan has also provided us with a free resource for you to download. This will help you stay informed about the rapid rollout and changes that are occurring in telehealth. And all you have to do to download this is open up a browser in your computer and type in the URL www.drjotata.com forward slash 119 download. That's www.drjotata.com forward slash 119 download. And if you're listening to this episode on your cell phone and you can't get to a computer right now, no worries. You can simply text the word 119 download to the number 44222. That's 119-DOWNLOAD to the number 44222. Okay, let's begin and learn all about telehealth with Dr. Alan Lee. Hey, Alan, welcome to the Healing Pain Podcast. Hi, Joe. How are you? Pretty good. I'm glad to have you here. Um, I'm excited because I was flipping through the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy about a month ago, and... Your paper is there, which is called Telehealth, Physical Therapy, and Musculoskeletal Practice. We're going to link to it in the show notes today. It's in the October edition of the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy. I was excited to see it because I think it's an exciting field. And in many ways, I feel like even this podcast is in some way, you know, a version of telehealth. So I'm glad to have you here. I think as we kind of dive into this topic of telehealth and telemedicine and all the different tele things that we have these days. Can you talk to us about the different tele things that we have out there that are growing, like telehealth and telerehab? My background was around 
tele rehab at the VA system in Los Angeles, the West LA VA, with my mentor Nancy Harada back in 2006. And as a hands-on physical therapist, when I saw that we could use technology to reach patients and older veterans and access and reducing travel and time to really link with these patients and clients, I just saw an opportunity for physical therapists to become part of a team to address various varieties of different patient management as well as population management issues. So telehealth really is the ability for using technology to work with patients in different clinical care. So telemedicine, obviously, those are physicians, doctors, psychiatrists, others involved providing care via technology. Where telerehabilitation is the ability for rehab professionals like PT, OT, speech therapists call it telepractice, and the ability to use their see patients via technology. Other under that umbrella is really more of a telehealth model, which is the ability to use any technology to see patients and clients. And even around like disaster relief, like earthquakes and fires where patients can be accessed with providers to link them together. Even specialists talk to generalists to work together towards uh, healthcare. Hmm. Well, so you've been in this area since 2006. That's quite a long time ago. It must have been kind of a very, very new thing back then, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, in telemedicine, it's been around since really like 1950s. And early on, they were using the television systems. Some of the early, early research comes out of uh, Nebraska, where they're seeing prisoners in mental health care and prisoners being able to uh, really link together instead of face-to-face in an office. And that makes sense since the prisoners, not only do you need to transport them to mental health hospitals, but also the guards who need to come along and the ambulance ride to really reduce the cost as well as the ability to kind of link those patients via with the television and the health, mental health provider. From then, 1970s and 80s, using the satellite ability to reach international settings for disaster relief happened in telemedicine. And a, a large organization called the American Telemedicine Association came on board in the uh, 1980s and 90s to really advocate for this type of digital practice. And tele-rehab was one of the six under uh, telemedicine association where PTOT speech and even dietitians work towards uh, providing care via technology. Yeah. Interesting. I guess the first place to start is let's talk about physical therapists first because you and mm-hmm. I are both PTs. Can a physical therapist participate in telehealth in any state? That's a great question, Joe. You as a physical therapist have a, a scope of practice and the ability to kind of see patients through your licensure. So each therapist should check their license as well as their practice act in in that state in order to kind of see if they can provide telehealth practice. There are around less than 10 states that have some language around telehealth for physical therapists. So they're very specific on how do you provide informed consent, uh, protecting patients' privacy and data security with business associate agreements. Again, identifying yourself a physical therapist with the license. Also, I knew Joe, the patient, show me your driver's license. I know that that's you to treat you. And also, uh, you know, Joe, if you need emergency care, I know you can dial 911. There might be a local therapist you can reach within the state since you and I live about 200 miles apart. 
So you as a therapist need to know some of those intricacies and the details towards telehealth practice. Later on, we'll talk about some resources that are out there in the article we mentioned earlier, but through the Federation of State Boards, that we have some resources that each physical therapist can look in each state to see what's going on. 30 to 50 states moving really quickly into this telemedicine, telehealth. You need to be aware of what's happening. And also, you know, just like your brick and mortar practice, you should also consult the lawyer to make sure that you are protecting your practice and mitigating the risks that could be there with the state. And not only your state, but if you think about another state, you live in New York, I live in California, you have to think about interstate practice and how it's dealt with. If I go to Arizona and I'm seeing a patient in California, but I'm in Arizona, that interstate practice needs to be addressed. That's happening, and we'll talk about that a little bit later with the article, but you have to know practice acts in each state to provide telehealth. Wow, it sounds like it can be really complex for a a well-intentioned um, practitioner, whether you're a PT or someone else, because you have to kind of research what's happening in your state. So obviously if someone's 100 miles from you, but in the same state, it could be one set of rules. But then if someone is five states away, it's another set of rules. Is that correct? Yeah, it's very true. And that's similar for telemedicine and telenursing as well. And just taking the lead from telemedicine if you look at what they call the interstate compact, so ability to use one license to reach other states, which are one license, that's happening in medicine. There are about 30 states in the interstate compact, 25 states in nursing with interstate compacts. In physical therapy, you should uh, know, and we are very glad that there are interstate compact activities that's happening, and we have about 21 states uh, collaborating together to allow for using your home license to reach patients in other states with mutual agreements. It's interesting. So that's called the interstate compact. Mm -hmm. So basically your license in California would allow you to, in essence, function, let's say in Kansas. Yeah. Unfortunately, you have to, exactly, it's true. That's the hypothetical, but California and New York are not part of that compact yet. (laughs) And one of the activities that we can ask for and advocate for in our state chapters is To get involved, it's really more of those rural states, which are early adopters, because they could see the benefits, right? Yeah. So that brings me to the next question as we talk about the whole telemedicine concept. Does insurance, private insurance and or Medicare, which is government insurance, cover telemedicine? Yeah. So let's kind of nuance telemedicine and tele-rehab. Right. So let's just kind of put, since we're both physical therapists, let's put out they're federally, physical therapists, occupational therapists, and speech therapists are not telemedicine eligible providers under CMS. So for Medicare programs, we are not part of the telemedicine eligible providers. But however, for uh, telemedicine providers, including physicians, surgeons, PAs, nurse practitioners, certified registered nurse anesthetists, midwives, social workers, dietitians, nutritionists, psychologists, social workers, I mentioned earlier, optometrists, dentists, marriage and family therapists are telemedicine providers. uh, So they can also work with Medicare. That's one area of advocacy and physical therapy we need to address because we know, and there's uh, strong evidence with Medicaid programs, that there's a shortage of physical therapists, that Medicaid programs statewide have a lot of tele-rehabilitation practice. Interesting. So 
we always want to kind of make that distinction between tele-rehab and the other specialties. Yeah, it's always a shame to me how the rehab profession is often one of the last ones to, you know, be given the the grants of approval, but somehow we, we wind up on the bottom. Well, with the chronic pain epidemic, I think it's a big mistake when CMS, Medicare, Medicaid, private insurers don't say, hey, yeah, like, yeah, you can do telemedicine. All right, so Medicare doesn't cover it. Private insurance, let's just say you have to go to the exact, you obviously have to pick up your card and call your particular insurance company because we all know there are thousands of different plans out there depending on the state you're in. Mm-hmm. and inquire about that. Would you say that's correct? Yes, that's correct. And the current activity and momentum around that and the private care is that they are allowing physical therapists to participate in telehealth or telerehabilitation practice in, in those insured programs, including workman's comp and other large, large areas of our practice. So the momentum is growing and it's generating more uh, activity. And we just have to be just be there at the table to kind of participate with others. When we are talking about telerehab, in my mind, I think, okay, I'm going to work with a patient, let's say, either via phone or maybe via a virtual format like we're on right now talking. Mm-hmm. And I'm providing them with treatment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Is there a distinction between, let's say, like a teleeducation program versus a tele-rehabilitation or a telemedicine program? The distinction, first thing we should make is in uh, what we call telehealth and telemedicine and tele-rehab would be what you and I are doing, Joe, the real audio video session. That's what's covered under Medicare. Another part would be the store and forward technology. We call that asynchronous telehealth, which is using, for example, like a radiograph image. Radiologist views it and then makes it decision on that radiograph and sends that to another provider to uh, implement that treatment plan. That's what we call storing for asynchronous care. And for telehealth, uh, you know, real audio, video, the synchronous care that we are doing now, phones and faxes are not part of that telehealth model. There, you can do that. Obviously, you always text patients or email, they email you, and you can respond, but that is not a reimbursable telehealth practice. So when you're providing teleeducation, you can use any medium you want. However, you are limited to some of the synchronous and asynchronous telehealth practice. Okay, good distinction there. So a practitioner can put up a teleeducation program, have it be asynchronous, where let's say the, the client is accessing pre-recorded information. And obviously there, in some way, there's an exchange of value for payment there in some way. Yeah, and you know a lot of these HIPAA secure, HIPAA compliant telehealth portals will allow you to do that storing forward, watch the patient's videos, or they want the, the patient themselves, they're watching pre-formatted videos or avatars, and then you can actually log into a real live session like you and I are doing with audio and video to provide that supervision and feedback. One of the interesting studies that have come out out of uh, tele-rehab and chronic pain management was around chronic pain patients, low back pain in France. And it was about a small sample of 29 individuals. And they just asked what type of uh, technology use would there be in terms of accessing and providing care for you in tele-rehab. And what they found was that definitely what you wanted to do is if you want to do tele-education or telehealth, make it very attractive to the users so that they would log on and see that exercise being very attractive to do. 
So, you know, not the dead bugs or what have you where you and I were thinking about, but for make it very attractive. The younger audience would prefer more visual and dynamic support and more challenging activities and exercises with feedback, while the older adults in that small sample study prefer more ability or the possibility for supervision while the patient was performing the exercise. So we as providers or even as industry leaders collaborating together to design telehealth chronic pain management, we should kind of think around what our end users would like. Yeah, that's always a good point. I was was actually talking to some people today and said, you know, as practitioners, we have things that we love and we things that we think are really great and innovative, but ultimately if the patient doesn't want it or value it, it doesn't really matter too much. You can't force them into doing things. They have to see value and kind of want to do it. Pain, particularly for a moment. Is there a lot of research discussing telerehabilitation specifically for pain management syndromes? You and I talked offline earlier. There aren't a lot of studies around telerehab and chronic pain. Around like nine studies is what I found in terms of uh, PubMed search. And around the topic of chronic low back pain was the majority of those studies. There are other studies looking at phantom limb pain with amputees, several other case studies around MS, as well as addressing breast cancer survivors. They're all valid and I would say feasible telehealth or telerehab, chronic pain management, patient population, addressing teleeducation, addressing self-management, as well as some of your wonderful podcasts around self-awareness, that's most recently uh, ability to kind of really get the mental health components involved as a team. I think there are more opportunities for physical therapists to get involved. Yeah, I agree. And I, it's interesting because as physical therapists, we think, well, how are we going to do tele-rehab? Like we have to put our hands on people. But so much of what we do is education-based. You can obviously counsel on graded activity, on activity modification, on pacing, aspects of health and wellness, nutrition. Even with things like the psychosocial aspects coming into our care with pain, we can even counsel on that, which is obviously really, and provide education on that, which is important. What about patient satisfaction? Or do patients like this type of approach? Do they prefer to go into a clinic and sit down and fill out all the forms they usually fill out and you know, sit with someone one-on-one? Or is this something that's becoming more enticing to them? Doctor. Tool Blanga just recently in November in the New Yorker talked about their journey into Epic and EMR uh, in their healthcare system. And at the end of the day, it came down to what you just mentioned, patient preference, right? So we as per- providers do not lose sight of the face-to-face time and make sure that we keep our hands on. And even though we do use computer screens that we know and screen up the right patient for the right technology at the right time, so we got to be mindful of that, first of all, so patient preference. And there have been uh, several studies, early studies on patient satisfaction around telehealth. Uh, so these were non-inferiority studies, meaning the outcomes are no different than usual brick and mortar, usual care. And that had, you know, most of these studies came out with the University of Queensland in Australia, my colleague Trevor Russell and their group, and Brendan and Jaw, and they, what they found was that patients were more open to telehealth as well as their non-hands-on care because they took self-management like joint mobilization in terms of their 
total knees after their uh, initial surgery, after they were shown what to do in the clinic and how to set up the technology at home. And if the therapists were open to providing feedback via telehealth, they were more likely to do those exercises and adhere to them with high patient satisfaction. And that's been repeated with other studies. And most recently, Duke University had a study with total joints using a Vera system, San Diego, the Reflection Health Group, which uses an avatar with AI or artificial intelligence with telehealth. That study is showing cost savings now, not only patient satisfaction. So that's what's going to take for us to really kind of address what you said earlier with CMS and Medicare and really look at healthcare in the digital age and having physical therapists participate. So just to clarify, in some of those studies that you mentioned, it sounds like there's almost a bit of a hybrid model where maybe the patient's coming in for one visit, maybe the initial evaluation, they're getting started on the program, they're establishing the initial plan, but then the rest of the the plan of care and contact may be through other distant telehealth means. Most of those studies were designed as RCTs where either was traditional brick and mortar physical therapy or in a in-office, which is like two doors down where the client was and the therapist was in the other two doors down via telehealth. Those are the early studies. But another study by Moffitt et al. really looked at telehealth being delivered in patients' homes versus that patient coming into the hospital, patient care for total joint replacement. So we've had several different types of RCTs where it's been either like a hybrid approach, getting the technology started and then separating out, or it's been really more of a a usual care versus a tele-rehab approach. Excellent. Talk to me about some of the potential disadvantages of telehealth. Definitely. And you mentioned it earlier. Not every patient is appropriate for telehealth. It's a tool. It's a tool for us to reach patients for access and also reduce, I would say, issues around time and travel for clients. They really have to kind of, we have to be mindful of uh, informed consent. End of the day, patients have the right to come to the clinic and they should choose to come to the clinic or via telehealth or uh, seen through technology. So you as a practitioner have, I would say, responsibility to make sure the patient understands this. And then moving forward, I think the other areas we talked about, about data security, data privacy, business associate agreements need to be set for with those telehealth vendors who have these HIPAA compliant systems. How do you best utilize the technology at the right time for those patients important? You as a provider, can you just jump on like Skype? It is not so. It should be like your brick and mortar office. Like you and I were talking about, it should be a very quiet environment. The lighting should be good enough where we can see the patient. And when you do need to do the hands-on care, that you need to bring that patient in to the clinic to do that hands-on care. Now, in speech and OT at times, like with speech care with patients with post-stroke, that there are what we call e-helpers on the other end. So you can think about maybe using a caregiver or other to assist some of your examination, if that's very simple, or maybe just guarding, because they need that guarding for that supervision of exercise. But we have to be mindful that not all patients could be seen telehealth and we need to do the hands-on work that we are the specialists for. I like bring, having someone on the other side to, to be there to help out. It always helps the, uh, the patient encounter. Mm-hmm. What are your spidey senses telling you about uh, tele-rehabilitation and its role in our opioid epidemic that every professional organization has their eye on, especially the APTA, and, and as we should? Mm-hmm. 
Well, what's been fascinating for me is just kind of tracking what the VA does. Uh, what they do is they use these simulation centers to train physicians and other practitioners in telemedicine. They fly them into like an intensive simulation with telehealth and kind of to address what you said, the chronic opioid pain management and maybe providing those frontline primary care individuals on other workflows. Well, if they're used to giving prescriptions, what else can you do? What are some of those other providers that you can work with? And maybe via telehealth. So can you reach a hands-on care physical therapist and see if this patient is more appropriate for that versus the usual care that they would do and reach some of those other specialists that you have on your podcast? So I think those are the opportunities that I see in telehealth is that we can interprofessionally work with those clients and patients to kind of really look to the future and what the patients might really require for a, a overall holistic approach versus really being siloed. And the technology allows us to do that a lot easier with access and time that we couldn't do in the past because of you know issues around scheduling and travel and time, as we talked about. So we really have to work through what we call the human factors. I think that's the main thing. So we need to like train the providers differently than the way you and I were trained to provide care, not only chronic pain management, but just in overall team approach with using technology. Tulguanga talked about, but be mindful of, don't forget the patients in front of you, even though the computer screen is there, that we have to kind of have other ways to maybe design our workflows to really address the patient's needs. And then at the end of the day, the patient has that preference and what we say the rule of thumb. They get to choose what type of care they would like to get the best outcomes for. So kind of that's where I'm seeing some activities around the VA system, really bringing in providers to kind of design some new workflows and then let them design their challenges they have within their local settings to really address it with via technology. So if I am a physical therapist and I'm working on my PhD, or maybe I'm completing my DPT and I want to do something in the realm of telemedicine. If there's something within the PT realm that you think, hey, there's a couple of like really interesting areas you probably could study, do some research on, whether it's a meta-analysis or whether it's a, a pilot study or maybe an RCT, what kind of suggestions do you have for people out there? Yeah, I mean, I've always told providers and researchers and educators there, there are many areas. I mean, this, this field is really, really wide, wide open. So we encourage all types of I mean, clinicians to participate with researchers. We need stakeholders in the industry to participate with therapists and clinicians to really do that translational research. Even students could get involved with current activities they're doing around simulations and how they're using simulations in their academic centers and introducing telehealth with that, with even EMR interfaces. So there are many opportunities. Uh, we've already addressed some of the low-hanging fruit. Early research was around musculoskeletal total joint replacements, and that's being really now pushed with other telehealth and tele-rehab providers in terms of their care. We've seen some activities around vestibular rehab and neurologic patients who can't travel because of their own issues and concerns around uh, dizziness and impairments. We're seeing activity around that. The, the military, the VA has been very, very prominent in, in terms of their care coordination and the professional care. I really think to get advocacy cores, getting the patient buy-in and also insurers and federal level, we really need to look at cost. Uh, workforce is another area that we need to do the health policy and 
health services research around telehealth and how we, like you said, implement our usual care or, or our hybrid approach to figure out what is the best model for our patient management. Cool. It's so interesting to me. and I think it's so exciting to see how this is moving. Hopefully the states will get their act together and make it simple for providers. So there's not a lot of like, what happens in this state, what happens in that state, what can I do, what can I not do? I think it, it just causes a slowdown of care. I mean, we really have a slowdown of care enough when it comes to pain, at least. So hopefully, work like yours and hopefully some of the up-and-coming PhDs and DPTs will do some um, you know, great work in this area. Alan, it's been great chatting with you. I, I appreciate you having you on the podcast today. Can you share with everyone your Twitter handle and how they can find a website where they can learn more about you? Yeah, my Twitter handle is uh, at Alan Lee, A-L-A-N-L-E-E, DPT. That's my Twitter handle, and we can do further chatting there. Uh, as Joe mentioned earlier, the JOSPT article that he's going to link to is a viewpoint. It's not a research article. So we really discuss further collaborations with the first council in APTA. And this was for members and non-members of APTA. Non-members would call APTA and join the first council, Frontiers in Rehabilitation and Science and Technology Council. This council really addresses not only telehealth, but technology around robotic, genomic, uh, issues around regenerative medicine and rehabilitation. So all of these areas of innovation is under this council, and telehealth is part of this council. We, our members and non-members collaborate together to have discussions, discourse. I mean, should we do this? You know, we're a hands-on field. How do we move forward towards telehealth? What do we advocate for? What's the best research? Or what is the research area we need to get into? So those are things that we can do online. And for, uh, I would say, for your patients and clients and other providers, please, you know, kind of discuss what your needs are. So we as therapists, physical therapists, are moving telehealth forward, but also addressing your concerns and needs. Excellent. So, of course, if you hop into PubMed and look at the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy, Alan's article is Telehealth, Physical Therapy, and Musculoskeletal Practice. It's in the October 2018 edition of Jobst. If you want to tweet out to him, his Twitter handle is at Alan Lee DPT. And I'm going to include his Twitter handle and his website to the university he works at in the show notes. I want to thank Alan for being on the podcast this week. It's a great interview and lots of exciting information that we're working on here in telemedicine and telerehab. Of course, share this out with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Hop on over to drjotata.com forward slash podcast. In the upper right-hand corner, there's a little box. You can enter your name and email address. And each week, I will send you the latest podcast right to your email box, absolutely free on lots of great topics like the one we had today. Thanks for joining me, and we'll see you next week on the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Healing Pain Podcast. For more information on this episode and access to links discussed, please visit drjotata.com and click on the podcast tab where you will find the blog post for this and all previous episodes and can sign up for Dr. Joe Tata's email list to receive the latest information on chronic pain. Also, make sure to stay connected on his Facebook page at Dr. Joe Tata.